Hi, this is Madison Weatherill from Grace and Vine Studios, and you're listening to the Eat Blog Talk podcast. Hey, awesome food bloggers. Before we dig into this episode, I have a really quick favor to ask you. Go to your favorite podcast player, go to Eat Blog Talk, scroll down to the bottom where you see the ratings and review section. Leave Eat Blog Talk a five-star rating if you love this podcast and leave a great review. This will only benefit this podcast. It adds value. And I so very much appreciate your efforts with this. Thank you so much for doing this. Okay, now on to the episode. Hello, food bloggers. Welcome to eBlog Talk, the podcast for food bloggers looking for the value and confidence that will move the needle forward in their businesses. This episode is sponsored by Rank IQ. I am your host, Megan Porta, and you are listening to episode number 342. I have Madison Weatherill today with me. I'm so excited to talk to her for her third eBlog Talk interview. Today, she's going to impart all her knowledge about streamlining your blog using Gutenberg. Madison is a food blogger turned web designer running Grace and Vine Studios. She works with her clients to connect with their audience through strategic web design and brand strategy. She is the host of the Vine Podcast, a podcast about strategy and design for food bloggers. Madison, her husband, two little boys live in Phoenix, Arizona, and you guys have one on the way. Yes, yes, we do. Well, by the time this episode comes out, baby will be here, but when we're recording this, it is on the way still. Yes, right. Well, it's so great to have you here again, Madison. Thank you so much for taking the time for it today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. And it's so funny to see the different topics we've covered over the last couple episodes. They're all so different, but also relevant. So I'm so excited to be here talking about Gutenberg today. All valuable, but across the board. And you have such extensive knowledge all across the board. So we're excited to learn from you today. First, so do you have a third fun fact to share with us? Yes. So I think on my very first time I was on the Eat Blog Talk show, I talked about how my family has a home that has been in my family for the last five generations, including my children. And so that house has been in our family since 1959. And my husband and I are currently working on getting it turned into an Airbnb. And so that's been kind of our new adventure. We bought a new house with the new baby coming and decided we didn't want to get rid of that house just because it means so much to our family. So that has been a very interesting and exciting learning process of just kind of starting a totally different type of business and furnishing a house from scratch and all the things. So that's been a really exciting journey. I love that. And my husband and I are actually interested in doing a venture very similar to that, not with a family home, but just like with property in general. So I may have to have a conversation with you about things you've learned and maybe tips you have and things like that. I'm sure you have many. Yeah, absolutely. It's like anything. It's There's so much that you... There's only so much you can prepare for. And then there's so much that you don't expect and don't know. And you just have to learn along the way. But being a business owner, I'm kind of used to that. But it's still been very interesting just to learn as we go on. Okay. Another conversation on that. I will definitely be reaching out. (laughs) After baby's born and you're settled, I won't bother you before that. (laughs) For sure. But Gutenberg, okay. I was just talking to you before recording about how bloggers, some bloggers are like in it using Gutenberg and some are resistant because they might have a lot of content or for whatever else, it might just be scary. So I'm hoping to shed some light on Gutenberg today and maybe just make it more approachable for people to dig in and like know what they're doing. And for the longest time, I didn't even, I was like, Gutenberg, what is that? It's such a weird word. (laughs) So could you just give us an overview? Like what is Gutenberg and just kind of break it down for us? 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think you're exactly right that this is something that so many food bloggers are hesitant to do. And I, I can even remember when it first came out, digging my heels in myself and being like, no, 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 we're not going to go and like switch all the things. But <laughs> if we back up a couple of years, I'm probably going to get the, the actual year wrong, but I want to say it was 2018 or 2019 where WordPress came out with a huge update to their editor system called Gutenberg. It's also really commonly known as the block system or the block editor. They kind of go back and forth between Gutenberg and blocks, but essentially what it is, is instead of having one big section of content that has images and text and all the things that go into your blog post, the Gutenberg or the block editor breaks it into individual components so that your content is all individually customizable whether it is one section that's a paragraph or a heading or an image. And so basically it takes your big, long blog post and turns it into those blocks that we know, you know, our content as. And why this is kind of a revolutionary thing in the WordPress world is that it becomes what is kind of known as a what you see is what you get editor. So in the past, the classic editor you might change something on the back end and you have to go and like preview the blog post to be able to see what it changed on the front end. But with this new editor system, you can kind of see that as you go. So if you make something a bigger font or a different color, you're able to see that on the back end as you're working through your post content. And that is, you know, just one of the small benefits of it. There's lots of other benefits that we'll get into, but that's essentially what the editor system is like now. And it is the standard for WordPress. Um, I think it's in the beginning of 2023 that the classic editor plugin that a lot of people use won't even be supported anymore through WordPress. So you won't even be able to get updates for that. So it's super important to start now with kind of figuring out how you're going to transition over. Okay. I did not know that. So if you are running on classic in 2023, you're going to, I mean, it's going to phase out eventually because no updates are going to be happening there. That's kind of scary, I think, if you are on Classic, right? It can be. I mean, it doesn't mean that you won't be able to use it, but what it does mean is that you may find it doesn't work as seamlessly as it mm -hmm. used to because even now, I mean, there's been many big updates to WordPress as kind of like a core framework since Gutenberg kind of became popular. And everything is moving in the direction of Gutenberg. And so kind of the longer you dig your heels in and don't switch over, the more difficult it might be down the road to be able to do that, or just the more issues you may have with your site in general, if you don't move those things over, which blogging is already hard enough. We don't need to make things any harder on ourselves. Exactly. Okay, so let's make a case for moving over. And it actually simplifies a lot about the whole blogging process, I think. But can you talk about that? Like what ways does this simplify? Yeah. So like we mentioned, Gutenberg really allows you to customize different pieces and sections of your content, which gives you a really wide range of options when it comes to making your content really stand out. And in the past, something that you would have had to do is you would have had to know coding a little bit at least to be able to change something like the font size for a specific paragraph or the color of a specific heading. If you were wanting to do something kind of on a micro level like that, not site-wide, then you would have to be able to do that with a little bit of you know, CSS or HTML code, which for a lot of food bloggers is just not their zone of genius and not where they want to spend their time. So with the Gutenberg editor, you're now able to customize individual sections and blocks of a blog post 
without having to have any coding knowledge, which has really just changed the game for how you are able to help your blog content set be set apart, not only from other food bloggers, but just even as someone is reading through your blog post, having certain sections that pop out against the content so that people will actually see them and read them. And so to me, that's one of the biggest things that Gutenberg has really opened up. But apart from that, the thing that I like to teach, and I actually have an entire course about this where I teach people how to not only use Gutenberg, but also how to build what I call like a blog, a blog post outline. And essentially what that is, is it's a template that you use every single time that you sit down and write a blog post as a starting place for yourself to you know, sit down and write your content. Instead of feeling like you're just sitting down, staring at a blank screen, not, not really sure where to start, you create a framework for yourself so that every time you sit down, you have a starting place where you're just kind of plugging and playing the information that you want to put in a blog post rather than feeling like you're starting from scratch every single time. I have created one of these outlines and oh my goodness, it simplifies my process because like you said, you go in, instead of looking at white, you already have headers that you need to change obviously and copy that needs to be changed, but there's already something there. So you already feel like you've made progress when you haven't even started. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And to be honest, you know, I think a lot of food bloggers are doing this by default. They're they have a an outline or a kind of a rhythm that they follow with every blog post. They have certain sections that they use in most posts, but it's the difference between having to sit there and you know add every single block or add every single section that you want versus having it just there for you to drag and drop images into or to you know type in your headings like you said. And it also helps you to remember if there's a specific you know section that maybe you forgot that you wanted to include substitutions, for example but it's right there in front of you. So you're like, oh yeah, what substitutions could I mention for this recipe? So it's so many, there's so many benefits to it, but one, it's just going to simplify your process and take some of the brain work out of it. And then two, it's also going to help make sure that every time you're including those sections of content that are really important to make your blog post, you know, the best that it possibly can be. Can you talk about reusable blocks? I've started getting into this a little bit and they are fantastic as well. So just talk about what those are and how we can use those. Totally. I love reusable blocks so much. (laughs) It is one of my favorite things to work with clients on when we like are designing a website for people to figure out like what is a reusable block that makes sense for people. Essentially, a reusable block is something that you use as a template again for a piece of content that you use regularly. So I gave the substitutions example before And that's a really good example of something where you might often share substitutions for your recipes and you can use a reusable block either as a template for a a starting place, or if it's something where, let's say you have, I'm trying to think of like a recipe example. What about like a call to action or something like that? Yes, totally. So let me actually use the idea of an affiliate disclosure because this is the the most simple way to kind of think of what a reusable block is, because there's two ways that you can use reusable blocks. So a reusable block kind of in the way that it was originally designed to be used works really well for something like an affiliate disclosure. Some of you guys might remember years ago when Amazon changed their affiliate disclosure like requirements, and everybody had to go back through all of their blog posts and change the affiliate disclosure that they had copied and pasted in there manually. If you had used a reusable block for that, you would have been able to change it in one place and across every single blog post, it would have changed that reusable block content to be the same. 
So that's kind of like the default of what reusable blocks are built for and how they're like kind of intended to be used. But what I see a lot of food bloggers doing, which I totally support and I love this, is taking a reusable block and then converting it to a regular block so that you can use it as like a template and a framework, whether that's for like design purposes, you know, you have it styled a certain way, or it's just like placeholder content that you go in and customize for each recipe. Do those two like examples make sense? Yes, totally. So I love the affiliate. I don't think I use a reusable block for affiliate information, but that's a great idea. Call to action. I know I have one above my recipe card, like, hey, if you liked this recipe, come back and give it five stars and leave a comment or something like that. But what are other ways that food bloggers could use reusable blocks? So you mentioned the call to action, and that's another one of my favorite ones. I love for people to use that either as like a call to action, like you said, to review the recipe Maybe it's you want them to go check out your recipe index and see what other content you have there. It could be something like check out another blog post. So if you have kind of like a cornerstone piece of content or kind of a central idea piece of content that you have on your site, you could create a call to action block for people to go check that out as long as it you know makes sense in reference to the recipe that you're sharing. So that's a really great way to use another version of reusable blocks. You can also use it for things like your pro tips. So this is one of those examples where I love to see this be really branded to a client and kind of what, you know, someone's niche is. So if your niche is like gluten-free recipes, maybe you have a pro tip about how to double check that the ingredients in the recipe are gluten-free or something like that. I'm trying to think of an example with Pip and Ebby for you, Megan. But it's really great when this pro tip can be really tied into your brand messaging and like what your brand is, because it kind of solidifies for your readers what your site is all about. And then again, you're going to have this styled in a way where it pops out against the content. And so it's kind of doing two things at once where it's educating your reader about like, this is what my blog is all about. It's also providing helpful content, but you're designing it in a way where it easily can be seen in all of the other content that you have on your blog post. Mm, You explained that really well. That's great. I didn't think about the pro tip thing, but that would be a great way to use it as well. Do you have certain blocks? Okay, so for somebody who is listening who might not use this, I was just thinking about like explaining that there are different types of blocks, right? So there's like copy and photo and... Yeah, so there's a ton that are sort of built into like the basic you know, WordPress setup. And essentially what you're thinking about is every little section of your blog post is its own block. So you mentioned the copy, which is called the paragraph block. You have headings, which are another block. You have images, videos. You can also use things like columns, which I really like for if you have, or even galleries. So if you're using like multiple, you know, step-by-step images to show the process photos of a recipe, you can use either a gallery or the columns block to kind of put those in a column instead of them being like, you know, full width images, which is really nice because that, you know, you used to have to go and like create something in Canva and upload it. Whereas now you can just use that style of block to upload a bunch of images and, you know, style them in a certain way. There is also a really cool one that we use a lot that is called media and text. And what that does is essentially it puts an image off to the left or the right with the text, not so much wrapped around it, but kind of to the right side of the image. So again, it provides that like column situation where you have an image and text, but it makes it really easy, especially when you think about how all of that stuff has to convert from desktop to mobile. 
using a block for that versus just trying to like figure out how to code it yourself is so much easier because it's built into WordPress how that is going to adjust for mobile. Also, you can customize colors really easily. So you can have like one block, maybe it's your call to action block for your recipe card and you can make it hot pink if you want and nothing else turns hot pink. So you can like really go through and make things stand out with colors or fonts. So I love that part of it. Yeah, absolutely. And this is such a great opportunity to train your audience on where to find this stuff. And that's why I say like, Figuring out what makes sense for your brand and making sure to use that often is really important. So we have a client who she always talks on her stories about how she has her substitutions in a green block. And she says it over and over and over again on her stories, but it's because she's using the exact same style of block every time. So her readers are starting to know that's where I need to look. So that's a great way to get people to like pay attention is by changing the background color because we're so used to seeing paragraph image heading, paragraph image heading, and it all kind of looks the same. And if you think about it, what is the one thing that, you know, your readers want to find when they get to your site? It's your recipe card. And they typically know that it's your recipe card because it has a different background color. Mm. So if you use that same philosophy and then make the important content in your blog post stand out with a background color, they're going to be more likely to see that as they scroll. Or even if they use the jump to recipe button, they're going to see that as they jump. And then they're going to be able to be like, oh, I wonder what that was. That looks important. It's just this like, psychology behind people paying attention essentially. And when you use those background colors, it's really going to help that content to stand out and help someone to slow their scroll and actually read what it says. So you're going to really be able to make sure they see the valuable content that you're sharing. Food bloggers. Hey, let's chat about Rank IQ for just a minute, a powerful keyword research tool made just for bloggers. I have seen such wild success with the keywords. I have run through the Rank IQ optimizer for my food blog, Pippin Ebby, and I want you to see that success as well. And you can. Starting a little over a year ago, I saw potential with this amazing little keyword research tool known as Rank IQ, and I began planting seeds. I knew that over time it would germinate and grow into a thriving crop of organic traffic but I did not know how quickly some of those flowers would blossom. I will talk through one of my quick growing examples just to give you an idea about how fast a post can gain traffic with the help of Rank IQ. I created a post titled How to Make Jarred Alfredo Sauce Better and published it on 12-31-21. By January 23rd, it was getting 100 page views a day and was in the number two spot on Google. This post continues to gain traction and has received over 60K page views so far in 2022. And this is just a single example, you guys. Think of how bountiful your traffic crop could be if you started planting those Rank IQ seeds today. Go to rankiq.com to sign up and check it out for yourself. Now back to the episode. It's like you're training them, right? Like by color and the way things look visually, if you're consistent with it, you can train them to go look for that color or look for, you know, that specific block. Absolutely. And that's why the repetition is really important with that. And that's, again, where that reusable block comes into play. Because if you are every single time being like, what color do I want to use? Today, I'm going to use red. Today, I'm (laughs) going to use yellow. Like, first of all, it's not going to look very good. And second of all, it's not going to train your people. So you want to make sure you're staying consistent. And if you can just pick like one color, 
either per block, you know, if you feel really comfortable with colors and, you know, feel like you can make something look really good, you can use a different color for different styles of blocks. But if not, just make it so that every time you use a, you know, put a background color behind a block, you're using gray or something that's really, you know, easy to see and easy to make sure that it looks good. But that way people are going to start to pay attention and start to see that that is an important color that they should pay attention to. Do you have certain blocks that you love since you're such a Gutenberg expert? Do you have blocks that you just are like, okay, food bloggers, you need to be using these? Yeah. I mean, the one that stands out the most to me is that gallery block, just because it's so easy to create kind of that collage effect, but without having to like open up Canva and create something new. And then the other one, honestly, is just using a paragraph block, but sticking a background color behind it. So that's, again, one of those one that's built in to WordPress, which is awesome. I know a lot of people like to use the Yoast FAQ block. So that's another great one that you can use as well. And that has some, you know, really awesome SEO schema built into it. And then, you know, apart from that, I think it's really just about getting specific about what makes sense for your reader and thinking about the content that you can share you know, whether it's over and over again, or it's just like every blog post, I'm going to share this helpful tip and it's going to change, you know, whichever one, you know, whichever blog post I'm talking about. I think just being consistent with it is really important. And luckily those are like super basic blocks that don't even require extra stuff, but those are kind of the ones that I see most food bloggers using and using well. And then if you feel super comfortable with those, then there's like definitely other ones that you can try out and experiment like with. next level blocks do you have next level block recommendations <laughs> yeah so there's two plugins that are kind of a an advanced gutenberg block so if you find yourself using things or trying to use things like columns or wanting to use some different like media types of blocks then i would recommend looking into either reusable blocks extended or cadence blocks, which even if you're not using cadence as like your theme, you can still use cadence blocks for Gutenberg. It's separate from the theme itself, but they have kind of some more advanced and like extended blocks that are fun to play around with. But I think the first thing is just to make sure like you are moving in the process of, you know, starting to use Gutenberg. And I find that it's actually more helpful to start with an older blog post that's already done rather than a brand new one, because as you're trying to like get used to the system, writing a brand new blog post, it's already taking a lot of brain power from you versus like converting an old blog post. The content is most likely going to be like 90% of the way there. You might have some tweaks to make, but, and then you can kind of get into some of the advanced stuff once you feel comfortable. And once you love Gutenberg as much as some of us do. (laughs) Okay. Can you talk about that? So if you are a blogger who has maybe a lot of older content and you're hesitant just because it's a change, it's something different, it's unfamiliar, all of those fearful things can pop up. I totally get it. How easy is it to change over to Gutenberg? And is it something you have to do on a post-by-post basis? Can you do it all at one time? How does that work? Yeah. So I wish that the answer was that you could do it on a, you know, grand scale for all of your blog posts. So the answer is no, you can't do it for like all of your blog posts all in one button. But I actually think that's a good thing because it gives you the opportunity to go back through every post and just kind of give it a once over. In terms of how easy it is, it is really simple to convert over from a regular, like a classic editor blog post to a Gutenberg blog post. Essentially what it does So most, if you're still using classic, you most likely have the classic editor plugin. And there's some settings in there that will allow you to start converting things over to Gutenberg. So you kind of have to find those settings and like open up that option for yourself. 
that once you do that, if you go into an old blog post that's in the classic editor, it will open in the block system, but all of your content will live in one block that's called a classic block. And you'll have a button that just says convert to blocks. And then what it's going to do is it's going to take that one big giant block that you have, and it's going to break it up into paragraphs, headings, images, your recipe card, all of that stuff. And so that's the process that you have to go through for every blog post. And what most people do is they just do that as they go. And, you know, if you're editing an old blog post, just go ahead and convert it over, look it over to make sure everything converts correctly. And then once you start feeling comfortable with Gutenberg in general, then you can start writing your new blog posts in that editor and kind of doing those two things alongside of each other. You're going to learn it pretty quickly and be able to, you know, get comfortable with writing your new blog posts in that system as well. I was just talking to a blogger friend this morning and she was super hesitant because she started doing this and had problems. And I don't know exactly what her issues were, but she said it like messed everything up on her site and she was just scared now. And now she was thinking that she would hold off until after Q4 because she didn't want to mess with things. Do you have encouragement or advice for her? You might not know because we don't know exactly what her problems were, but I don't know, like, can it improve your page speed or something to encourage her to at least experiment with it? Yeah. So my first initial thought is that it's probably not the blog post. It's probably something within her theme or a plugin that isn't playing nicely with the Gutenberg update. So that would be my first thought. If she's using a theme that is, you know, up to date and works well with Gutenberg and is like known to do that, like the feast themes, for example, all work super well with Gutenberg then there may be something else that's going on. Like I said, it could be a plugin. So in her case, I would say trying it out on a staging site would actually probably be the best thing, at least so she can figure out like if it's a specific plugin and what you can do is just like slowly go through your plugins and deactivate them to figure out which one is broken. It also just depends on kind of like what the error is that she's getting or like what is what's happening because that may give her kind of a clue. But if you can kind of isolate it down to just the content itself, then most likely it was something else that was causing the issue. The only thing I've seen in the past cause issues for people every once in a while, they're either they're like convert kits or Flowdesk, whatever email marketing platform they're using. Like if they have coding from a form in a blog post, or if they have like a media vine or ad drive video in a blog post, every once in a while, those don't convert over quite right. And so sometimes you just have to kind of like reinsert it. So what I usually say is to actually have your blog post open, like the live blog post on one screen and then on another window or screen, having like the editor open so that you can see like, oh, this section is supposed to have this here. That's what, you know, broke it or that's what isn't working. And you can troubleshoot it that way. So those are kind of some tips if people are having trouble with it. But I think in general, like we said, it's, it isn't even going to be something that's super supported. And that's, probably why she's having issues at this point now is that something isn't, you know, playing nicely with that because it's just not really supported anymore. So it's a matter of just investigating a little bit and figuring out what exactly is not being supported. Exactly. Okay. So outside of usability and just simplifying the blogging process, are there benefits to using Gutenberg? Yeah, great question. So on the surface, there really aren't any like SEO or speed like types of benefits at this current moment. But again, the further we get away from like the classic editor being supported or being like used, 
a lot, the more likely it is that there's going to be benefits to using Gutenberg because everything is going to be built with that in mind. I will say that like the more comfortable you are with blocks and if you're able to really adopt that, then you're able to move away from using things like widgets and, you know, themes that don't support like the block editor in general, you're able to move away from those, which I think are going to show a lot of benefits to you from a site speed, from an SEO perspective down the road. But as of right now, there's not like something that is going to be holding you back. If you're using the classic editor, I just know it's one of those things that's going to continue to be more and more outdated. So there will continue to be more and more issues going forward. We're kind of in that sweet spot right now where it's not like a fire that you have to put out. But it's also like, if you haven't started thinking about switching to Gutenberg, you probably need to start thinking about switching to Gutenberg sooner rather than later. Yeah, that was a good answer. And then I was going to ask you, do you have any like frequently asked questions that people ask you often about Gutenberg? The two biggest questions that I get asked are, you know, can I switch everything over like with one click? And the answer, like we already talked about is no, but take advantage of that and make it just part of your process of going through your old posts and editing it. And then the second question I get a lot is how to use reusable blocks. And so like we talked about, there's kind of those two different ways that you can use them. One is as a true reusable block, which means that the content is the exact same in every blog post that uses that reusable block or using a reusable block as a template and a framework and then converting that to a regular block so that the content can be individualized, you know, between blog posts. Those are kind of the two biggest questions that I get. And then... Apart from that, it's really just about digging in and like spending the extra few minutes, maybe even an extra hour to make your blog post come to life using that system so that you can start, you know, getting faster with it and getting more used to it. Because like a lot of things in the blogging world, like tech is always changing, but it's usually changing for the better. And so the faster that you can kind of feel comfortable with it, the more you're going to see the benefits from using it. Is there ever a situation where you would recommend somebody does not use Gutenberg? Ooh, that's a good question. I would say the only time would be if you have a theme that specifically is like, we do not play nicely with Gutenberg, which again, most of the themes that food bloggers are using definitely are going to play nicely with Gutenberg. So I think unless you know that there's something wrong on your site that is going to not let you use it, then I would say, you know, don't use it right away or figure out that. But that would be a bigger issue to me is getting on a better theme than starting to, you know, invest in learning Gutenberg. And I would say actually another frequently asked question I get is like, should I invest into learning Gutenberg or should I invest into learning like SEO or something? And I know it's like hard to even put those two things in the same bucket, but you have to think about like learning Gutenberg is going to benefit your process as a blogger. It's going to make your job of writing blog posts easier, especially if you're able to like really master the you know, system of Gutenberg and then use it to your advantage to build something out like a blog post template. And if you're able to do that, you're going to have more brain power to be able to go and learn SEO. So I don't usually try to say like, oh yeah, you should definitely learn Gutenberg over you know something else that's going to drive more traffic. But at the end of the day, Gutenberg can really simplify your blogging process And I think that is something that all bloggers could use to have a little bit more brain space for, you know, some of the heavier hitters that we have to learn as food bloggers. Uh, You just sold it so well. I feel like everyone was probably like, sold. Thank you, Madison. (laughs) Do you have a list of maybe just a handful of themes that work really well with Gutenberg that you know play nicely with it? Sure. So like I mentioned 
all of the feast themes for sure. I mean, they've really moved in the direction of not even really using a lot of the kind of classic setup from WordPress. So like they don't really use widgets for things. They're really moving in the direction of fully using blocks for everything. So the feast theme and the feast plugin is set up really well for that. I know that the restored 316 themes that are all built on cadence, all use blocks as well. Trellis, as far as I know, it definitely would work well from like a blog post perspective. I'm not sure how they have their like homepage and things like that built out. I don't think it's with blocks, but I could be wrong about that. So those are kind of the three like main hitters if you're going to be using like a pre-made theme. If it's something else, I would just really look for like in the description of the, you know, theme itself, are they talking about blocks? Are they talking about how it's compatible with the Gutenberg editor? Like really look at those things to make sure that it's compatible. Because like I said, I would much rather you have a theme that is going to like be able to work with you over the next couple of years, rather than feeling like you're stuck with an old theme and you can't use the latest technology that other food bloggers are using and kind of get behind in that way. Yeah. Is there anything we missed that you feel like would be really helpful to impart? I don't think so. I just, I guess I would say just as an encouragement, you know, investing a few hours of time into Gutenberg and learning it is going to make your process so much easier. And if you can do that, then you're going to have much more time and brain capacity to do other things. I think it's going to make your content stronger in general, because you're going to have that framework to help you remember. These are the things that are important to mention in my blog post. And if you are feeling stuck on like how to switch over, what are these settings that I need to figure out? What block should I use? Then I would really recommend checking out my course, which is called Simplify with Gutenberg. It's kind of a two-step process. We teach you how to convert everything over to Gutenberg and then how to build out that blog post template for yourself so that every time you sit down to write a blog post, you're staring at a template that makes your life easier, not like a blank white screen of death. (laughs) So I would definitely recommend checking that out or just, you know, exploring it on your own and seeing if it's something that you can figure out because a lot of food bloggers have been able to figure it out on their own. But I created this course for people who feel really stuck and who just want someone to kind of walk them through step by step. So I am so glad you mentioned your course because I have not taken it, but I've heard so many people, Madison, say how much they've loved it and how helpful it is. So yes, I'm glad you mentioned that. All right. Well, thank you. This was amazing. I think everything from A to Z we've covered with Gutenberg and you've made an amazing case for why people should switch over if they haven't already. So thank you for being here. I appreciate it. Yes, absolutely. I hope that it's helpful for people. And if you have any further questions on Gutenberg, please reach out. I am a Gutenberg nerd. It's one of those things I just love using and love learning more about. So I'm happy to help anyone who's feeling stuck. Awesome. Well, to wrap up, do you, I know you've done this a handful of times, but do you have an additional quote or words of inspiration to leave us with? Yes. So I've actually been reading this book called Content Inc. Have you ever read it? No. I know you're a big reader. Joe Paluzzi. So the book Content Inc. It's essentially about creating a product based on an audience that you've already built. So a lot of the times people go and they create a product and then they find the audience to like fit into the product. But this is kind of the backwards way of doing that Mm. where you build the audience first and then you create the product or the service or whatever it is. And there was just a quote that I really loved. He was talking about just creating content in general. And he said, readers are open to receiving and engaging in content that will help them live better lives, get better jobs, or solve a particular problem. You have as much opportunity to deliver amazingly helpful content as anyone else. 
And I just loved that quote, especially for food bloggers, because I think so often we just feel like, oh, we're just, you know, putting out recipes and no one needs them or cares. But when you think about it in this way and you really start to think about like, how can I help my readers solve a problem? It just opens the door. And I just hope that that encourages people to, to really be excited about the way that they're helping their readers to improve their lives. I have not read that, but I'm putting it on my list. So thank you, Madison. I always love new book recommendations. It sounds amazing. And we will put together a show notes for you. If anyone wants to go peek at those, you can go to eblogtalk.com forward slash grace and vine two. And we'll also put the link to Madison's course in there. Why don't you tell everyone, Madison, where they can find you? You've kind of, we've mentioned it a few times, but online, social media, et cetera. Yes, absolutely. So like I said, our business is Grace and Vine Studios, and we would love to chat with you if you are looking to have a custom website or brand built for you. If you're interested in the course, you can go to graceandvinestudios.com slash simplify, or like Megan said, it'll be in the show notes. If you liked this conversation and you want to hear more you know, tips about food blogging and all of that type of stuff, then I would love for you to check out our podcast, The Vine Podcast. And the most social place to find me is Instagram and I'm over there at Grace and Vine. Awesome. Well, thank you again, Madison, for taking the time out today. And thank you for listening today, food bloggers. I will see you in the next episode. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Eat Blog Talk. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd be so grateful if you posted it to your social media feed and stories. I will see you next time.